This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. Good morning, Truman. Greg Tucker and I are sitting here just kind of relaxed. No donuts to drink. Uh, I guess you got coffee when you got here. I did manage to get a half cup of coffee, and uh, we're sitting at a a big empty. There are other people around somewhere. Well, I saw Mary Edith uh, Martin uh, at the front and uh, told her about us losing little Janie Waddell, and uh, she had uh, somehow had forgotten. I think a lot of our classmates forgot it because there was very few of them uh, that uh, showed up for the funeral. And, of course, I know at our age people are strung out and people are uh, just like as she said. Uh, a lot of people are afraid to, to get out, especially at our age. But, you know, the way I see it, we've uh, lived most of our lives and we got few days to to go and I want to live mine. I want to get out and do things. And we're coming to your house today, JD and myself, and um, we have your sweet wife who is cooking for us today, Mentriette, or she's preparing food. I don't, I, don't, I guess I shouldn't say cooking, uh, but it's something, she's an amazing woman. She loves to do things for people. Uh, at all times, and, and she's been she's she's like uh, my uh, grandmother. My grandmother never did anything for herself. She always did things for other people, and that's a special gift. It really is. Well, my wife enjoys entertaining, and a C-130 pilot who spent a lot of time in Southeast Asia is, yeah. is an interesting contact. So, yeah, uh, he. J.D. is one of the more interesting people that I've ever known because he's done so many just uh, interesting and spectacular things in his life. Well, he speaks Russian. She speaks a whole lot of stuff. I I hope they'll find something in common. What are you and I going to do? Eat. Eat. You yeah. think you can we go out on the front porch or will they go out on the front porch? Because their language is... is uh, I'll never be able to comprehend it. Yeah, well, what's what's to be expected? Yeah. What are we talking about today? Oh, yeah, a handful of things we could mention. Again, I drove this morning over to the Rutherford County Historic Society to leave pictures for the next newsletter, but also to pick up a notebook that was left for me. Hmm. And it's a notebook I prepared some time ago for Tom... That's Cannon the Fourth. Yeah, Tom Cannon. A he was a dear friend before he died. He died in a nursing home up in Lebanon. Bless his heart. But uh, he was there in the nursing home and going down some. I could tell when I would visit. 
And uh, I was at that time working on my second book, and I was concerned that it would not be published before we lost Tom. Yeah. <clears throat> and I believe it's that book had a number of things he had uh, helped me with research on, but I believe it may have had the article about his home there on East Main. Uh, so I put together a notebook of the proofs pages mm -hmm. and took him the loose leaf, uh, you know, like a three-ring binder notebook. Yeah. So he could read it and see what the book was going to look like. And uh, I believe, in fact, he didn't last until the book was actually published, but... Uh, he had a chance to read it. Well, apparently his niece, uh, Miss Brandon, uh, found the book and uh, dropped by the Historic Society thinking maybe she'd catch me. Uh, I wasn't there, but they ran me down on the telephone, and mm -hmm. she said, I've got this book. Would you like to have it back? And uh, I don't really have any particular use for it, but I thought, sentiment and they probably don't have any use for it so i said yeah leave it over there and i'll drive by and pick it up did that hurt your feelings <clears throat> what they, they didn't have any use for it your book no they they have the actual published copy of the yeah book. yeah okay but the, All right. the rough draft yeah. wasn't really that rough it was proof pages yeah i was getting my feelings hurt yeah well uh i was flattered that she went to the trouble of calling me but yeah. she knew from contact with her I guess it was her uncle, uh, that we had been close mm -hmm. and that uh, I own the family home where I think she spent some time as a very small child and where Tom lived for 65 years, he told me. In the, on and what is, your, what is the family home known as? Gladstone. Gladstone. Uh -huh. 549 East Main. It's a beautiful home. Yeah, and he helped me when I first purchased the home it was in pretty rough shape a lot of students in there in fact there were supposedly six apartments and i couldn't figure out who was in which one hmm. it was a a general boarding house kind of uh but i went to work on it and one day a very uh, beat up looking 1960 era automobile <laughs> pulls up at the curb and this fella gets out an older fella in a bright orange outfit my kind of guy. Yeah, and introduced himself. Well, he found for me the original architectural drawings of the, the building, which was built by his mother mm -hmm. using a Nashville architect. And uh, very helpful, but also just fascinating. I made copies, and they're now in the hallway, so you can see the original plans for the, for the building. And uh, <coughs> he... Uh, said, well, I want to go up into the uh, top floor and uh, see if something's still there I want to show you. I said, well, okay. And at the, the time, the top floor was vacant. We went up there, and he opened up a closet uh, kind of under the eave, you know, in the mm -hmm. attic closet, opened mm -hmm. it up. And he says, yeah, there it is. I said, what? He said, see this? It's my mother's handwriting, and it says, Tom's Toys in this closet. And did it? Yeah. Wow. And uh, I said, Tom, I'll not ever paint that over. We'll keep that. So it'll always be there. Have you ever noticed, you own a lot of houses. Have you ever noticed the older houses in the old neighborhood areas kind of bear the personality of the person? Because 
I, I uh, rented one when Jackie and I were trying to buy one of our farmhouses many years ago, and there was walls behind the walls where you could walk and nobody would even know it was there. Interesting. Yeah, and and they had old newspapers. I really wasn't supposed to be back there, but I I decided I ha- I had I, I had a curiosity about it. I do of all homes, and I went back through there, and uh, I always wondered why they probably used that as some kind of reading room or whatever. But you would you couldn't find the entrance unless you knew exactly how to get in there. It was amazing. Well, you said newspapers. If you go into a lot of the old country homes, particularly those that have been left to deteriorate, they use newspapers for insulation on the walls. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I get a kick out of going in there and reading the old newspapers and the dates. And the dates on the paper tell you, you know, when the when the house was built or when it was remodeled or whatever happened to mm-hmm. it. Speaking of old houses, though, today is paper. The... Uh, D and J, as we call it, has on page. What, what name is the newspaper? D and J, we call it. Oh, is that? No, it says up here at the top, the Daily News Journal. Uh, today's paper, Monday, page six A, has a big article and a picture of uh, a home in uh, Murfreesboro, owned by Allen and Beth Morris, which has recently completed the renovation that they were doing with the help of the county tax abatement program hmm. in fact it's the second house that qualified for the tax abatement which one was the first the first one was a home over on uh, north manny uh-huh. uh right next door to uh demas's uh-huh. house over yeah there. that was a relatively small project but certainly one we appreciated this one was a huge project the house is on the corner of uh burton and north academy Mm-hmm. And the lot we know is part of the Lytle subdivision. That was the first addition to the original 60 acres. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Lytle family owned quite a bit of property just north of the. Now, is that my Lytle group or is yeah, that another that's, one? That's yeah. Captain Lytle. Yeah. And in 1818, he filed a plat and uh, began developing what was the first subdivision. Mm-hmm. Now, it was very close because the second subdivision was just within months to the south side developed by some of the Murphy family. Mm-hmm. But we know that this corner was part of the Lytle, the original Lytle subdivision just north of Murfreesboro. And uh, don't know who originally purchased the lot. Uh, it wasn't built on, apparently, for several uh, Years, but we know that the house that's there now was at least the older part of the house built in 1850. Mm. Clearly qualified for our historic abatement. And technically, once the project is finished under the abatement rules, it has to be inspected to determine whether or not the project was carried out as as indicated mm-hmm. as a as a preservation and restoration project. So myself, uh, Mayor Ketron, and uh, Rob Mitchell, mm-hmm. our property assessor, yeah. uh, were invited to come by and make an inspection. And, of course, the family was there, plus the contractor and I think the, uh, the bank representative that had helped finance 
the uh, renovation, mm. and uh, it it is beautiful. They had to they had to make some changes just to to meet current codes and current needs, but you clearly get a feel for the way the house was and was intended. It has to be like the old house was, right? Well, it has it, to have the historic look. Yeah, it has to be a preservation and restoration. Obviously, if you got the house out, change the look of it, we're not going to be qualifying for the tax abatement. Mm-hmm. And the tax abatement is, uh, in my opinion, a generous uh, incentive. Uh, it applies only to the structure uh, and uh, what it does is it freezes the tax appraisal on mm-hmm. the structure for a period of years to serve as an incentive to do the restoration. Uh, I hope that uh, the publicity around this one, and it is a good article, a large picture, and you can see it's an imposing house. Uh, I've been looking at the house all my life. Mm-hmm. But it, it is a beautiful finally, house. Finally uh, being taken care of. That wraparound porch-like uh, in the front. Both on the ground floor level and upstairs. Yeah. It was all the way around three sides of the house. Uh, now, on the back of the house, some uh, additions have been done for modern conveniences. Mm-hmm. But uh, the front part of the house, very much as I imagine it looked when it was first uh, uh, occupied back uh, antebellum before the Civil War. Mm-hmm. And I do encourage, I notice there's at least three or four houses on East Main now that are up for sale. Uh, the realtors involved, the sellers, should be making note of the tax abatement opportunities for new owners if they will uh, follow through with the restoration renovation of these historic properties. Now, one question that comes into my mind, the uh, value of the house itself, when it's restored uh, in a historical way, does that make the house more valuable? Because you, you start thinking about it, and that, you know, the historic uh, area, uh, it's going to cost a lot more money to buy those homes than, than most other places, as far as I'm concerned. Because it it has a, a certain, um, it's got a lot of taste to it, you might say. I might say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think anything that's done towards uh, restoration and renovation of a historic property mm-hmm. will enhance the value of the property uh, for those who are looking for mm-hmm. uh, historic places to make their home or business, what have you. Uh, are they made aware that, there to be no changes to that particular home uh, after it, that is, it has been completed. That is part of the requirements that they agree that uh, they will maintain the uh, the historic aspect of the property for the mm-hmm. period of the abatement. And uh, if they don't, for instance, at the extreme decide to tear down the, the structure, mm-hmm. it all rolls back all of the abated taxes would become uh, due and payable, so to speak. To the new owner, if it's bought by another person and they don't continue? That's right. Wow. Yeah, because the abatement runs with the property. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they can sell the property and it continues to get the tax abatement uh, for the specified period of time, which is usually 10 years. 
Uh, but if an owner destroys the historic value that was being preserved, then it all rolls back. You've got to pay the taxes for the full period. Mm. Uh, so it requires some commitment. It also requires that uh, you be prepared to make the home available from time to time for academic research, for visitation, you know, because we want the home to be part of what makes Murfreesboro special. People can see and learn from. You know, when I when I go through that area, it's not just on East Main Street, but everything um, as you leave the square on the left, back up all the way back up in there. Not just all of it; you do have some on the right also. But uh, you know, it 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 reminds me of going in Charleston, South Carolina, uh, Savannah, Georgia, and. And then you get to see all of the things that were prevalent in the old South. And it it is special. Uh, people don't realize that Murfreesboro is one of the prettiest cities anywhere in the country if you know where to go and look. And that's part, that's largely the reason for the tax abatement. We want to preserve that look mm -hmm. as best we can. But uh, let's not uh, be mistaken that this... This applies only to downtown Murfreesboro. Mm. Uh, it's a countywide, and the historic property anywhere in the county could qualify. And, uh, in fact... What about Morning Ride Farm? Well, we probably could, but we've already done all the restoration <laughs> we can handle. <laughs> it does not reward past efforts, although we appreciate past efforts. Yeah. It's strictly an incentive for what we want you to do in the future. Mm. And uh, it's not just the big fancy homes on East Main. There's a beautiful little shotgun house over on uh, uh, near McFadden School that I'd love to apply the abatement to. Now, what do you call a shotgun house? That's, uh, well, uh, that's colloquial, I guess. But uh, it's a modest home that was built on a 12-foot measure. Mm-hmm. And that's because the standard measure at the time for lumber that you would buy from the mill was 12 foot. So yeah. they came up with a design where everything could be fit 12 feet. And uh, usually there was a door to the left of the front and a hallway, not even a hallway, just then open all the way back to the door in the back. So the joke was you could shoot a shotgun through the front door and uh, it wouldn't hit anything through the house. Uh, but they were built as... Uh, inexpensive housing back in the period 1900s, 1900, 1910. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are still several examples of that uh, over in what we call the Westview community, Yeah, which, in my opinion, should very much be preserved on a historic sense because mm -hmm. that was the design that was used to develop the working-class neighborhoods back in that time period when Murfreesboro and a lot of the rest of the South was industrializing. So it just doesn't apply to the the more expensive houses. It no, it, 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 it it creates the the time pass pretty much. Right. Yeah. To preserve it. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I am thinking about when I lived on Rucker Lane. There was a beautiful, beautiful house, uh, Marymont. Yeah. And um, it has gone through some changes i mean they had a fire there many years ago destroyed a lot of the back part of the house it was 
renovated again. But with all the building that's going on out there, that house still stands out. Of, of, I mean, you got million dollar homes out there, but Marymount still stands out because it it reflects the, the old homes that were built many many years ago. And I don't know how many years it goes back, but it had to be back in the eighteen hundreds. Yeah, and clearly would be a candidate if the right person got a hold of it and wanted to restore it as a grand home or, or another purpose would clearly be something we would consider. There is a historic review committee that I chair which reviews applications for this abatement and uh, uh, clearly something like the old plantation house you're talking about mm-hmm. would be a likely candidate. We'd have to see what is intended in terms of renovation and restoration, but uh, a likely candidate. You know the old Kathy house? <coughs> Over there off of uh, Cripple Creek Road, it goes into that little back road back up in there. Uh, it's well over a hundred years old, well over. Uh, and it, 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 it certainly needs some work. And, and I think it's still in the Caffey family. But, uh, um, my mom was born in that house. Is that right? Yeah, of course, mom's over a hundred, would be over a hundred years old. Well, that makes it historic. As far as I'm concerned, it does. So I think we all would love to see something, uh, uh, take care of our old home place at our particular ages. Well, over near the Historic Society office, which is on North Academy, we're getting ready to see a whole neighborhood disappear. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's the, uh, what we call the project housing. Mm-hmm. There at the where Academy and Loki come together. It's behind the Oakland's mansion. Most people don't know it's back there yeah. that way as far as behind Oakland. Well, it is literally across the back fence from the Oakland mansion yeah. parts of it. It looks to me like, I drove through there recently, it looks to me like uh, most every bit over there is going to come down because they have fenced around it as you do on a, a demolition site. Yeah. As of the last time I looked last week, the, the actual demolition hadn't started, but the the fencing and the removal of uh, infrastructure, whatever, before demolition. And I presume it's going to be built back uh, with some subsidized housing, but probably uh, a much more of a modern look. And uh, I know over at uh, behind Holloway School, in that area where some of this work yeah. was done, uh, the, the structures that are built back are pretty townhouse. I've, se- I've actually seen the... the, yeah. the uh, uh, the pictures of what it, they're going to look like, and they're doing a really great job. I, I mean, uh, the people over housing in the city, uh, they, they don't get enough credit for what they do for the city. Well, the Murfreesboro Housing Authority is almost a parallel uh, governing system. They In their properties, they mm-hmm. are more in control. They have their own budget, mm-hmm. get a lot of federal subsidy. Uh, and the houses we're talking about that are going to disappear – uh, were when they were built, solid brick, convenient uh, mm-hmm. new homes. Uh, in the period that what they were replacing, they were far, far more advanced and comfortable than what they replaced. They look uh, outdated now, and probably some of the systems, the infrastructure is uh, near uh, needing to be replaced. Mm-hmm. Um, they were built in the 1960s and we're the third project of the Mercer Housing Authority. Uh, a, a young attorney back in the late 1940s named Eddie Seddon 
Yeah. A name we all know locally today. Uh, Way he, up in space. Yeah, it's yeah. Reese Hedden's father. Yeah. But as a young attorney, he apparently became aware of this new uh, urban renewal money that was available through the federal government. And uh, uh, did, I understand, most of the paperwork and the applications and such to set up a housing authority funded through the federal government. And uh, they began several projects, <coughs> clearing what we used to call the bottoms of some substandard housing there, <coughs> but more importantly, building new housing in two parts of the city. One, what we were just talking about, was over near Holloway. Mm -hmm. This, of course, was segregated Murfreesboro. The building over near Holloway was going to be a community of uh, uh, subsidized housing for the black population. Mm -hmm. At the same time, on the far side of Westview, they took a piece of property and began developing their housing for the white population that mm -hmm. needed sub subsidized housing. Uh, both projects uh, went forward in the early 1950s and probably by 51, 52, they were housing them. Uh, when this one disappears over on North Academy, that'll be the last of that. I hope we've made some good pictures of uh, what's there. Served very well for 50 years, 60 years, mm -hmm. uh, but it obviously was time to update and uh, bring in some more modern housing and such there. You know, what a, uh, in, 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 in your group, which I, I'm a member also, uh, I'm, I'm a non-paying member. I think you, you, you did that for me. You're talking about the historic society. Yeah. Yeah, well, you, you have something of a historic character on your own. Yeah, I'm old. All right, okay. <laughs> what would keep you guys from building a, a little small replica of all the housing that was in Murfreesboro, say, in the, the 1860s? What did Murfreesboro look like? And you could have uh, – a lot of people have that particular gift – where they could actually go through uh, all the information that you've got there at the historical. Uh, I, I don't know why I always want to say the hystericals association, but I'd say historical. Uh, and, and, and let people go in and actually look like uh, look at and see what Murfreesboro looked used to look like. A diorama, I think. Is yeah, the word I think you're that's yeah, for. yeah. A word I don't even know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, something like that would be fun and informative, yeah. and and in a small way, uh, has been attempted. If you come by the historic society office, yeah. Uh, in the back room, we have a electric train set yeah. that was built by one of our members, uh, Don Wolf, mm -hmm. Professor Wolf. Uh, he was a hobby railroader, mm -hmm. but uh, in his last few years that he was living in Murfreesboro, he built a railroad set around some of the buildings in the downtown area, mm -hmm. the downtown set. And that's a little bit of what you're talking about. Yeah. It's not 100% accurate, but it uh, you can spot Princess Theater and the courthouse and and the health department and you know some of the key buildings where they are. Uh, something like that is very useful 
for teaching kids a little bit about a community yeah. and how it's changed and evolved over time. And it'll draw their attention, something like that. <clears throat> uh, speaking of kids and uh, the housing authority, I recently was doing some research on the origins of the Parks and Recreation Department in Murfreesboro. And the reason I think... Go back to Ray Duffy. Well, even further. Really? Yeah. Uh, and there's a name that uh, carries over from our previous conversation. The mm. first chairman of the Murfreesboro Housing Authority was Carl Hickerson. Mm. Uh, before having that position, he was chairman of the City Recreation Commission. A very interesting... Now, what years are we talking about? 46. Okay. 1946, immediately after the end of the war, okay. World War II. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hickerson came to be here from unusual circumstances. He was, in his earlier life, he was middle-aged before he came to Murfreesboro and was a newcomer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in his earlier life, he had uh, worked at carnivals, traveled all over the world as a carnival promoter. Wow. Uh, including Australia, as far as Australia. Uh, he worked in Hollywood as a Hollywood agent. Uh, some sources say he represented Red Skelton for a period there. We know he was close friends with a number of the Hollywood uh, characters, performers and mm-hmm. such, uh, because he brought at least one to Murfreesboro as part of his fundraising activity for the City Recreation Commission. Mm-hmm. Now, during the war, just before the war, he apparently got involved in some kind of uh, livestock scam and uh, spent a little bit of time in jail for his involvement in that. And uh, Tommy Martin, uh, who earned the title Mr. Murfreesboro Mm -hmm. many years ago. And very well earned. Tommy Martin was uh, one of the best examples of a Christian life that I've I've known in this community. Yeah, I just spoke to his daughter a minute ago. Yeah, yeah. she's here. Yeah. Uh, Tommy uh, helped a lot of people who needed a second chance. And he somehow became aware of Carl and Carl's uh, talents and Mm -hmm. circumstances. And the story is he sponsored uh, uh, Hickerson out of jail and brought him to Murfreesboro. Mm -hmm. And uh, the City Recreation Commission was completely a volunteer effort. Uh, Tommy, through his influence with the city administrators, got Carl involved in that. And one of Carl's early suggestions was, well, you know, the budget was very modest originally in 1947, 48. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there still were traveling carnivals. And the carnivals frequently would come through Rutherford County and set up for a few years. Every year. Every year. And uh, Hickerson suggested and the city adopted a tax or a fee. So every time a carnival set up and played in Murfreesboro, the carnival had to pay $500 to the city recreation fund. Now, were they really paying? You know how carnivals are. I imagine uh, Carl Hickerson knew how carnivals <laughs> were and probably was there before they put in the first tent stake. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also arranged uh, for some of his friends, one in particular I've written about, uh, he and Step and Fetch It. The uh, black comedian, yeah. movie star. Yeah, hilarious. Yeah, uh, had a good relationship, and he brought Stephen Fetchett to town, and Stephen Fetchett put on a big show mm-hmm. at the Princess. The funds went to the City Recreation Commission. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
by 1949, it was uh, fairly well established, and the center of the city recreation at that time was in what uh, they called then the Central Memorial Park. You been to the Central Memorial Park? I'm not sure. I'll tell you where it was. Okay. And still, uh, still a lot of activity there. It was on the uh, north side, which many of us call the back side, of the Tennessee College, the women's college. Mm-hmm. And the women's college had built a swimming pool and some other facilities back there. Well, in 1946, the women's college closed. And, of course, in 1944, our Central High School burned and disappeared. Mm-hmm. So I don't know who came up with it. It sounds like something a promoter like Hickerson would have come up with, but he decided to call the area the Central Memorial Park, mm-hmm. I presume honoring the lost high school because the new high school in 46, 47 hadn't yet been been built. Uh, and there they had the swimming pool. Mm-hmm. They had shuffleboard. They had tennis courts. Uh, they had a picnic area, and they put up a good outdoor movie screen. And uh, during the warm months... I can remember those days, believe <coughs> or not. During the warm months, that was the center of uh, city recreation. That's where I learned how to swim. I don't doubt it. Yeah. And, and when I see the dimensions on the pool, you wonder how in the world did 75 kids, because the average attendance, according to some research I was doing, was about 75 kids a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the warm, warm parts of the year, uh, and then they built a—they call it a tot town for the little ones—and mm-hmm. uh, it had some of the things that have just disappeared: the seesaws, mm-hmm. the big swing sets, uh, what we used to call the jungle gym, yeah, uh, climbing apparatus. Uh, but uh, interesting, they kept it supervised. They had a staff person probably a volunteer, uh, supervising that area over time. And uh, once again, segregated Murfreesboro within the purview of the commission was also a very similar situation over at Holloway, on the Mm -hmm. Holloway grounds. In fact, what's frequently referred back then as the the colored fairgrounds Mm -hmm. because the Tennessee Colored Fair, the Middle Tennessee Colored Fair took place over there in Holloway. So it was no swimming pool, but otherwise most of the uh, facilities were duplicated over there for the black population. And uh, the numbers that attended the uh, evening movies were impressive uh, before television. Uh, They would have as many as 5,000 people turn out for a Monday outdoor movie. Uh, on Tuesday, they had the movie over at Holloway. On Monday, there was a movie, outdoor movie, uh, over in the uh, Central Memorial Park. And uh, also Mitchell Nielsen area, <coughs> if I remember right. Yeah, they had some satellite facilities. They had yeah. one over near, they call it the Clark Park. Mm-hmm. Uh, it actually started before Mitchell Nielsen was built, but they mm-hmm. showed movies there and had one other location where they did movies uh, over near McFadden. So it was a fairly sophisticated program, uh, and Hickerson deserves a lot of credit with his promoting abilities. Mm -hmm. And it was after uh, doing that for three or four years that he was appointed to the the, uh, housing authority.
I remember the man that used to show those movies. Somehow, I don't know really what the circumstance <coughs> was, but we had his reel over at, at the jail at one time, at the old jail. And, and uh, why it was put there or confiscated, I'll never know, but it had some of his old, old movies that were probably in the, most of them were in the 30s and the, uh, yeah, primarily in the 30s. You confiscated the kids' movies? I said, I don't know how it ended up there. Try to quit trying to make me a bad guy. Somebody in the sheriff's department confiscated the kids' movies. Yeah, yeah. It should be a protest. Oh, <laughs> uh, we, we were the good guys. Probably one of the favorite movies was Francis the Talking Mule. It, were, it was there. Sure it, it really it was. was. <laughs> and... Uh, if you're not pretty close to 75, you probably never saw Francis a talking mule movie. He was, I can't even remember what, who the guy that was the Donald, voice. Donald O'Connor. Donald O'Connor was at one time, yeah. yeah he was the, he was, he was, he was with a him. friend of the mule that yeah. the mule talked to. Yeah. <coughs> well, you know, every, every one of us has a unique personality that follows comedy. Uh, I have some good friends that uh, if if there's a Marx Brothers uh, movie on, <laughs> they're going to be sitting there watching it from the very start to the end. Uh, we love the Marx Brothers. Yes, you do. <laughs> yeah. There's a, a classification of humor and comedy there that uh, fits right in. Yeah. <coughs> what was the lady's name that was always the victim of the Marx Brothers? She was a uh, opera singer at one time. Miss you know, Dumont. She, yeah, yeah, Margaret Dumont, right? Margaret Dumont. Yeah, and she had what a voice. Oh, you remind me of one other facility that was part of the Central Memorial Park that I don't remember. It must have disappeared. It was a miniature golf setup, and what's interesting is it was designed and built by the, quote, trade class at the high school. Uh, the trade class? Yeah, apparently they, they called in the media I was looking at, it's called the trade class, which might be something like shop. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they designed and built a miniature golf facility. Mm -hmm. I have no idea how, many, how big or anything as part of the Central Middle Park. Yeah. Now Central they're building. Now they're building spaceships. Yeah, and uh, cars that go forever with little or no fuel. Yeah, run on corn oil or something. Um, do you have one of those cars at home? Yeah, probably. Probably yeah. somewhere in the. Collection. Doesn't it have a little crank? Did, haven't I seen you out there trying to start your car? Not with a little crank. <laughs> <laughs> I get very cranky with the cars. Yeah. <laughs> You do have a sense of humor. You, have you ever realized that? Greg Tucker has a sense of humor. I, I want everybody out there to know that. Okay, moving along. <laughs> Why don't we take a break and uh, then move along? a good time. All right. We'll be right back with you. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard. It's the Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Adams Place is a premier senior living facility in Murfreesboro. 
Our residents say the chefs at Adams Place run the area's best restaurant. Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Adams Place Residential Living Director Terry Deal. Offering independent living, assisted living, memory care, health care center, and on-site rehabilitation. Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. Now's the time to start teaching good financial habits to your children, and we're here to help. Hi, I'm Nancy with Heritage South Community Credit Union. Our chipmunk and squirrel saver accounts help your child learn how to save and reward them for regular deposits or good grades. Our team cash accounts help your team learn to manage their money wisely and have options to build their credit. To learn more, visit our website, HeritageSouth.org, insured by the NCUA. Hey, fellas, I want to encourage you to take care of your health. It's easier than you think at Low T Center. They're reinventing the doctor's visit, making it quick and easy to get all your levels checked, not just your testosterone levels. They offer a comprehensive health assessment so you know all the numbers important to your health. If you've been tired, grumpy, have lack of motivation and drive, or if you've noticed weight gain or loss of muscle mass, those could all be signs of low testosterone levels, low thyroid, or even sleep apnea. Low T Center will help you determine the cause of your symptoms and will help you get back to feeling your best. It all starts with their quick and easy health assessment and is covered by most health insurance. Low T Center's concierge medicine, exclusively for men, and now they offer monitored self-inject at-home testosterone treatments, providing convenience and additional health monitoring measures for your safety, including a take-home blood pressure monitoring cuff. Self-injected home treatments are just $135 a month, for self-pay or covered by most health insurance. Schedule your health assessment now at LowTCenter.com. Low T Center, reinventing men's health care. Now an update from the WGNSRadio.com News Center. I'm Ron Jordan. The death of a Manchester police captain is being investigated. Chris Patterson was found shot dead in his truck on Friday. 42-year-old had been with the Manchester PD for more than a decade and was married with two children. The investigation being handled by the DA's office, the Coffee County Sheriff's Department, and Manchester Police. Rutherford County Sheriff's Office encourages you to sign up for the free Yellow Dot program. It keeps medical information and contact emergency numbers in your vehicle and can help first responders provide treatment when responding to injury crashes. The form also lists if the person wears contacts and if they have a do-not-resuscitate order. The information and a photo of the person stored in a yellow folder in the glove compartment of the car. Also, the person will attach a yellow dot decal to the driver's side rear window to let first responders know the information is there. With early voting, the Tennessee business leader's outlook has surged. According to the latest Tennessee Business Barometer by MTSU's Jones College of Business, the index rose from 88 in July to 309 now. The online survey includes the current outlook, future outlook, business performance, and employment outlook. The index score is calculated from the percentage of positive and negative responses to a series of questions about perceptions of the economy. The Center for the Arts in Uptown Murfreesboro held its first Backyard Bash on Saturday night in Cannesburg Village on Front Street. Patience Long is the organization's executive director here, and she said the event raised nearly $5,000 for the center. That is the most the event has ever made. Long says the community has continued to support the local theater and arts organization and that they're planning an outdoor Christmas program for area youth and beginning the new season in early spring. Socialize with us on social media. Log on to Facebook.com slash WGNS Radio and click the like button. I'm Ron Jordan reporting. News updates around the clock, when it breaks, and on demand at WGNSRadio.com. We are News Radio WGNS. 
At Bud's Tire Pros, they care about those who live and work here because you're a big part of what makes this place great. This is Kay Mitchell at Bud's Tire. Come by and see us at Bud's Tire, 3600 East Main Street, or call 896-TIRE. They will be here through the good times and the uncertain times. For those who are out on the road, stop in today to see their full lineup of Michelin tires. For whatever you drive, Michelin has a tire to fit any need. Bud's Tire Pros, they're essential, they're open, they're local. Visit them online at BudsTireProsTN.com. Good neighbor weather. Partial sunshine develops here this afternoon. We'll see high in the upper 70s. Winds out of the south at 5 to 10 miles per hour. Tonight, partly cloudy and alone near 59. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 64. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes. For Premier Six Theater, they're now open. From NHC's Adams Place, home of Premier Senior Living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. Now, did you have any history of Ray Duffy anywhere in that group? You know, he came from Boston. He's a big Notre Dame fan. And everybody in Rutherford County knew Ray Duffy at one time because he was a radio announcer also. But nobody could understand what he was saying. <laughs> That's convenient. Yeah. Uh, was he involved in the early days of the recreation program? Yeah, I yeah. was. It was my understanding he was one of the first to actually be directly well, involved. Uh, you remind me because one of the first projects that Hickerson and his commission did was to set up a baseball diamond and a baseball program, and it only lasted one season. They mm-hmm. ran. They couldn't get the funding up. My guess, and I hadn't confirmed this, is that uh, they used that uh, open area over there next to Oakland. Yeah, yeah. And came back several years later in the early 50s when you were involved mm-hmm. as a player. Uh, it was over there, wasn't it? Yeah, so the very was... first one we played on was, believe it or not, was a campus school. Okay. Yeah, right behind the school. <clears throat> and, and then the next one... Uh, that they went to was over there at the what I always call the rock quarry. We played on solid rock. Uh, uh, um, let's see, what's over there now? I guess uh, talking about off the pike. The uh, yeah, you could go back uh, if any people can remember where the old highway patrol station was, and and there was a uh, ice cream place back over there. Also, it was behind that. Um, well, I did come across a picture, 1946-47, of the baseball uh, location that the commission had set mm-hmm. up. But the picture said, you know, it only lasted a year. No, uh, this one lasts long longer. Yeah, but that was the second come around, I think. We have a caller on the line, and they may be uh, smarter than we are. Right? Well, I, it wouldn't be, take much more to be smarter than me. Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker. Well, good morning, gentlemen. No, I'm not smarter, but I sure am lucky and blessed. You were mentioning uh, Ray Duffy. I grew up right around the corner from the house that uh, Greg is talking about that they renovated. I grew up on right there close to Spring and Bell, and I would guarantee you there's a bunch of youth 
that if it wasn't for Ray Duffy being in charge of the recreation department would have, well, let's just put it this way, we wouldn't uh, be where we're at today. But but I was going to mention, uh, you know, the gentleman that used to show the movies lived caddy corner to my house, and and we were fortunate enough to be able to go up to Critchlow High, you know, the old high school. Yeah. And, and I know I know you remember Dennis Renier, Sam Kerr. And Ray Duffy, they used to have an office up there, and he would make sure, Mr. Duffy would, that that gym was open so the little knuckleheads like us would always have something to do. There was basketball goals outside on the asphalt, which was painful, but we, we lived through it, and the basketball courts inside and weights. And so what was interesting, we were knuckleheads, so we'd always, you know, want to snoop around. And downstairs there were several rooms full of projectors, like you were mentioning, and a lot of uh-huh. film. Of course, we were young and didn't even care, but we just I just remember that when you said that. I mean, you know, we'd go snooping around because kids are what they are. But he, he was of a course. good man, and he sure saved a lot of us from uh, a lot of trouble by keeping us busy. You're right. He, he loved kids, and he always wanted to do things for them. And that was and special they had, back in uh, those days. They had Oakland. If you remember Oakland Pool over there next to the mansion, Yes. And, you know, you were supposed to pay to get in, but he knew we didn't have any money. So, so you know, he would, we, he would give us a little side job or something, or, but he would make sure we could get in and just stay out of trouble. And I think the kids lack that today, uh, Mr. Jones. I just think they, they need somebody to help them along and mentor them and, and keep them out of trouble and get them up there to where they got enough sense to, to move on in life. But I love your, this show, and I've, I'm addicted to it, and I listen Every, all the time. So you guys have a great day, and thank you. Hey, can you give me your name? I'm Steve Davis. My dad was uh, Edmund Robinson. He grew up right over there. You know, they yeah. used to, they had Holtz Corner on one end and uh, Weeping oh, Will yeah. on the other, and nobody could figure out why. There wasn't really a lot of trouble. I guess everybody just had a cold one and stayed out of trouble. I don't know. I've been in you there know, many sure times. You, yes, I'm <laughs> sure you remember those days. But I really do yeah. love your your show and Greg, it just, I just, I love to hear the history. And, uh, and even though I've been here all my life, it just, you know, hearing it again makes it, makes it all come back, uh, to life. I appreciate so, it. And thank you very much for calling. You have a great day, guys. You too. You know, you know, you, I don't think sometimes, Greg, you really don't know what benefits you've been given to this community because bringing back those old days is, is uh, special for a great number of people and and all the people just like uh, ray duffy ray duffy should have a little uh, statue somewhere in the city of murfreesboro hopefully they won't t- wouldn't tear it down a hundred years from now but but uh it, it he was one of those people that he meant a lot to so many people and probably never did even realize it. Well, the reference to the pool over near Oakland reminds me. During mm-hmm. the period of the 40s I was talking about, they developed a five-year plan, which was implemented supposedly in 1950. And of that plan, the building of the next swimming pool mm-hmm. was supposed to have taken place by 1954, 55. And I think that's when Ray became very active with it that yeah. time period <clears throat> changing the subject you know we all have been going through a period where the government is telling us to forego a lot of the things that we've been accustomed to yeah uh, because of the virus there was a period in our history a hundred years ago where the government said no more of 
what you've become accustomed to. I'm talking about prohibition. Yeah. Uh, which followed very closely the end of uh, World War One, but you know when Prohibition hit Tennessee and Rutherford County, did it? <laughs> legal consumption of alcohol. I don't think it was ever completely done here. Well, we got a head start. Uh, 1902. Oh wow! Uh, state law uh-huh. eliminated the legal. Uh, uh, production, sales, and consumption of alcohol. It's interesting because I was reviewing some newspapers from that period, and the largest retail distributor before the state-imposed prohibition in 1902 was a fellow named Lee Guggenheim. I don't know what became of Lee after that, but he announced in uh, mid O two, mm-hmm. that he was going to sell all of his stock at rock bottom prices, and of course he didn't have any choice. He was being put out of business. Yeah, and uh, so the legal sale of alcohol ended. But what did that create? It created what became uh, a very very active bootlegging activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, as you know from much of our discussions. Uh, bootlegging and uh, moving the alcohol to the city or coming back from the city was a very active and uh, lucrative part of our business in Rutherford County, Coffee County in particular. Cannon, Don't forget Cannon County. Cannon County, County yeah. perhaps one of the one of the better sources. Yeah, short mountain area. Yeah. Unbelievable. So, so I'm going to see if I can figure out what happened to the Guggenheim family. Uh, there is a Guggenheim Museum, but I don't think they prospered that much. Uh, but apparently, where is Guggenheim? That name is just ringing a bell with me. Well, it is a prominent uh, art museum, the Guggenheim Museum. Yeah, uh, I can't even tell you where it is. Uh, and it's an unusual name for Rutherford County, mm-hmm. Murfreesboro. Uh, and where was Guggenheim's store? It was on the square, but I can't pinpoint where on the square. But uh, people forget that up until 1902, we were wide open on the production, consumption, and sale of alcohol. Yeah. And it was at that point, 20 years ahead of national prohibition, that Tennessee shut it down. The, the stores on the square brought in a lot of people just to build and have their clothing store on the square. Uh, uh, there were so many uh, nationwide uh, stores that decided to locate here in Murfreesboro because they could see back then this is a place that was going to be special. Well, in the 1900s, all the business activity was centered on the square. Yeah. Yes, there was some around the periphery and the side streets and all. But, you know, we didn't have uh, shopping centers or malls or anything where the business would concentrate. Ghostings was probably the first of that. Really just had everything. Yeah, department store. Yeah. Right there on uh, Lytle Corner, mm-hmm. sometimes called. Uh, it is interesting, though, how diverse the grocery store business was. Mm-hmm. There were stores on the square, but all through the residential community were spotted these corner stores, many of which you can still see. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh, uh, the convenience of that uh, that model 
is not <laughs> well i guess we're now getting back to a home delivery system uh which i didn't realize it was going on until my kids told me yesterday exactly. they ordered theirs and it comes directly to their house with no extra cost is what they told me i'd rather go in the store i just can't change uh, I, i've got my old habits when I go, when I get grocery things, I go to the store itself, and I like to walk through. And um, I enjoy. And it's that one too. of those things I hate. I, you know me; I hate wearing a mask, and I will not wear it unless it's absolutely uh, put on the some kind of sign. You have to wear a mask to come in. That's the only time I'll ever wear one. But I, I just absolutely love seeing all the. I want to see firsthand what I'm buying. That's why I'd never order anything through the mail. I have noticed, too, when we're out the stores and such, you used to be able to walk over to the drinking fountain and get a drink of water. Mm -hmm. Most of the drinking fountains have now been shut down. Some have actually been removed. and some I've have... got one where I work out. Do you? Yes, sir. Uh, I would hope so at a place like that. Yeah. But uh, the drinking fountains uh, that were convenient in the stores have been closed by this, this virus thing. Yeah. Which reminds me of a trivial story we've told before, I think. Who put out the first public drinking facility in the square in Murfreesboro? Who put it out? Uh, who, you mean they died? or what, what, what are you asking me? Who made available drinking water on <laughs> yeah. the square first? Uh, Was it for the horses? and the... No, human drinking. Yeah. Ice water, cold water, good water. Uh, a relative of mine. Oh, you got to be kidding. No, no, J.P. You're kidding. J.P. Leathers. Yeah. One of the most successful politicians in the history of the county. I think he served almost 50 years. He's a great as, farmer, too. As the clerk. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he was an auctioneer by profession, very successful auctioneer. One of our favorite family stories is his brother-in-law was Dr. Thomas Poplin from down around the Midland area. Mm-hmm. Dr. Poplin uh, went to a medical convention in Nashville and died of natural causes, but he was in Nashville. Back he in, died at a medical convention? Yeah, a that, doctor? Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Uh, and it's also interesting that uh, doctors back in those days, that was a good way to starve death, was to be in medical practice. And his widow with her two daughters did not even have the funding to bring the body home and and have a burial oh, service. Terrible. And JP, because uh, the doctor was his brother-in-law, the, the wife was his sister, Maddie mm-hmm. Sue Leathers, <clears throat> paid to have the body brought back in a proper funeral and such as that. Mm-hmm. But in the 19, I think about 1922, JP got the idea that uh, people coming into the square and into the courthouse in particular frequently were uh, asking for water, looking for water. So he got a barrel, loaded it with ice, set it out at the corner of the uh, hallway near his ho- near his office, and hung a dipper on it. And You're was, a kid. And that was the first drinking fountain in the courthouse, courtesy of our our circuit court, uh, not our circuit, our county court clerk, J.P. Leathers. Families uh, all drank out of uh, those dippers. Back when um, I was just a young kid, but I don't know if I'd want to do uh, do it with everybody using the same dipper. Today, of course not. Back in 1922, probably people didn't think didn't think of it. 
fact, if you visit the school museum over at the Historical Society office, you'll see the drinking fountain over in the corner of the room. It's a bucket with a dipper. Mm -hmm. Now, one thing I wondered about, <coughs> J.P. Was it the Big Dipper? Uh, you're thinking of uh, sports athletics. Am uh, I thinking of what? <laughs> uh, I keep throwing them. He keeps missing them. Sorry. Uh, where were we? <laughs> I don't where did you get the ice in 1902? Probably right there on Broad Street at, at the ice place. That's Christy, where we used to go get it. Christy Huggins, way back turn of the century, had an ice plant. Yeah. And I think the consumer's place also had an ice plant. So ice was available. What's uh, the difference between regular ice and the ice that is just uh, it, it, it uh, just throws all kinds of uh, – fumes out of it what was the name of that ice you're uh, talking about dry ice dry right? ice yeah carbon dioxide yeah yeah what is, what is the difference between those two one's frozen water the other is frozen carbon dioxide hmm. and you don't put that ladder in your water bucket because it uh well they do that when they want to make spooky scenes in the movies you know with the smoke on the floor is that what's causing all that? Yeah, they put the water on carbon dioxide and a dry ice, and uh, it makes that smoke. Since we're we're getting close to it, and I don't want to forget it, uh, what is what is the little princess going to dress up as for Halloween? Now, I presume that that there's something being readied for her. Talking uh, about Cora. Yeah, I, ask me again next week. I'm not sure what she's going to be, but. I believe it's going to be a uh, unique trick-or-treat trail through the farm. Uh, we've got a bunch of outbuildings which will serve as the places to knock. Mm -hmm. I think that's the plan. I'll have to check with my son and his wife. But uh, rather than trying to go into town, as has been the tradition, yeah, uh, is that's to, changed a lot. Yeah, set up something in observation of the limitations on movement, exposure, and such. So we'll see. Yeah, that virus has caused so many distractions and a lot of the funds, even for the kids. It, it, it's unbelievable. I guess we've run out of time, big boy. It's, well, gee, I still got – well, maybe we'll do something again next week. Yeah, you, you, you're going to run – it's saying phone call for the show, so let's let's see somebody's out there. Caller, welcome aboard with Greg Tucker. Hey, thank you, Truman, and Greg, brother, I love y'all show, man. Thank I you. Say, uh, I, and I, you know, I'm not even from Murfreesboro, but to hear y'all talk, uh, y'all bring it to life. That's that's what I I really love about it. These people, you hear names and, and uh, the way y'all talk, but I can see them. You know, I just I love the way y'all y'all bring, especially you know, both y'all. The way you bring history to life, and uh, I just want to tell you that, man. I I love y'all show. Oh, I really appreciate that, and I love it too. And and Greg Tucker and I have been uh, good friends for a, a long time now, and um, we've been doing this for ten years. Yeah, and oh, the no. people out there are are a part of our family now, <laughs> which, which makes it special for me, and and I know it does for you, and. Uh, well, it, the it, first uh, thing, I wake up on Monday and I'm like, oh, boy, it's a good Greg Tucker show. <laughs> but I also want to tell you something. I, I, I meant to call 
back when he was on, but I love the interview with your brother, too. That was, that was very, very informative, very interesting. And uh, it was always a good interview. But uh, but anyway, man, I, I love your show. I just want to tell you that. Well, we really appreciate that, more than you know. Thank you. Hey, well, y'all have a good day now. You too. Well, you see, I have uh, got to uh, go pick up our, our buddy. I don't have to, but I want to, uh, J.D. Kennedy. And uh, we're, we'll head out to your house. But it'll be a little whip a bit before we get out there. It's it's like taking a like driving to Washington, D.C. It takes forever. I better get started then. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you, Truman. Thank you, Mr. Greg Tucker. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.